Hello and welcome to The Clavicle, your soon-to-be favorite podcast brought to you by your soon-to-be favorite podcast hosts. This is Safe, and this is Monadiwa, my co-host. Hello, everybody. Nice to have you. So for today, we're going to be discussing two main topics. First, we'll be talking about political correctness. And second, coming to Mona's topic, chronotypes. I hope everybody is staying safe and healthy at home and trying to continue and to be positive minded despite you know, this quite texting situation we find ourselves in. So let's start first with my topic. So I was very recently having a discussion with a friend on WhatsApp. We were discussing something both of us had different views on. Um, some way in hopes of proving my point, I describe people who work hard but are introverted as autistic. And then I paused for a moment and I thought using this word is pretty mean and should not be correct to use. How can I misuse and misdescribe a whole group of people this way, both harming introverted people and people suffering from autism? And I told myself, like, how could this be happening to me? I mean, like my favorite book of all time is called The Reason I Jump, which mainly talks about the life of an autistic person. So how could I just fall for this stupid rhetoric? So I, I casually um, said, saying autistic was a misstep and I take it back. And then my friend said, we're both having a friendly discussion here. You don't have to be politically correct. So this basically is what started the whole topic of um, today's episode in my mind, political correctness. What is it? Is it double-edged? Is it a coat that we borrow whenever we want it, but we easily take it off whenever? So why do we accept it sometimes and sometimes not? Where should we draw the line and with whom? Can I... Um, say something controversial out loud, or am I only allowed to say it in confidence or secrecy to friends? Um, maybe Moni could help me with this. Could you call someone who you, you think is overweight fat or someone who's underweight thin? Um, yeah. Okay, that's a tough question. I used to be able to say the word fat before, but I don't say that word anymore because I do respect the fact that it, or rather some people find it um, unkind to call someone fat. So, oh, that's quite a hard question. Why did you have to choose this particular word? <laughs> you could have chosen another word. No. Uh, so most of those are rhetorical questions. Like same thing, can we call, um, uh, black people black or should I say African can I call white people white or should I say Caucasian so the concept of political correctness is by itself a very controversial topic that's what I'm trying to say it's like simply because a lot of people wear its coat and take it off whenever they like mm -hmm. Bill Maher is a comedian whose um, show called um, politically incorrect this show actually ran for like a decade 
And um, he recently supported Bernie Sanders for elections when Bernie Sanders were still, was still running for president. And he said that Americans have been choking on political correctness for so long and that he's sick of it. So like coming to think of what is, what is the actual meaning of political, being politically correct? Um, does it mean being politically wise or does it mean invalid? Are you being overly careful or hypersensitive? Or are you just being a coward because you don't want to just say say the, the the main word that you should be saying. So it is important to say that I, I personally do not have any clear stance on it. Like I don't have a clear sense of political correctness. So I'm not bringing it up as a topic today so that I take cheap shots at it or like make you listen um, so that I denounce it or something. That's not my intention. I, I did actually just like a little bit of research and a bit more thinking. And I found that political correctness, like um, as simple definition. It's basically avoiding language that insults or excludes or harms people who are already experiencing disadvantage or discrimination. So maybe I'll give you this, like how about this Mona? We can play this game or this small exercise. I'll give you a couple of examples and um, maybe you help me spot where the political incorrectness is, okay? Okay, sounds good. Okay, first, um, I actually have five written down. Um, I might like think of uh, one additional one or whatever, but like, let me just start with the first one. So, okay. okay, so imagine this, you see your coworker at work and you're not so close to that coworker and um, she has um, a ring on her hands. So you ask her, what does your husband do for a living? I guess the first assumption there would be that she's married and when I think about it a little bit more I would have assumed that she she's like her gender is female okay uh, but what if it is clear that she's a female and it is clear that um, she's married because um, she has a ring. Yeah, that's the point that, you know, sometimes simply because people are biologically female, they might not be, they, their gender might not be. Oh my God. <laughs> you <laughs> female. <laughs> <laughs> what? Like, I think you already like took it too far. <laughs> Would be. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, I mean, I have to be politically correct, right? So I have to take things far, I guess. Oh my God, exactly. This is like the whole topic of the day. You just said it. You want to be politically correct. But I think um, somehow with like the gender being binary or not being binary is kind of like, kind of for me how I imagine it's like at the, um, at the edge of this whole political correctness thing. Maybe I'm wrong. But like what's actually very, uh, what you could actually spot from this um, encounter is that you assumed that she has a husband. So you basically as, you assumed her sexual orientation. So maybe what you could have said, said instead, how, what does your partner do for a living? You know? I also think that even the marriage, because perhaps it's her grandmother's ring that she's wearing and it can only fit on that finger <laughs> by some coincidence. You know, so there, there are a lot of assumptions there, but 
again, because you're interacting with people, there are some things that you have to assume in order to interact with someone, right? Yeah, right. right. Yeah, right. So, um, okay, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and give you the second example, and you tell okay. me what's wrong with it. So a friend um, went to the doctor to check up on her back. She comes back, so it's an orthopedist. So she comes back from the doctor, and you ask her, what did he say? Okay. Yeah, can I guess that? I assume that the doctor is a man. Exactly. It's, um, it's basically sexism, kind of. Um, there are women doctors. Maybe a better way for saying this would have been, what did the doctor say? Instead of saying, so what did he say? Right? Right. Okay, I'll give you the third one. You see someone who does not look very local, and um, you assume, um, so like you ask him, um, where are you originally from? Oh yeah, so I actually think that question is offensive, <laughs> to be honest, because um, I think we are kind of past, or we should realize that we are past this um, because you come from a certain part from this part of the world you have to look like this because people move all the time there's more international traveling and I think gone are the days when if you're a different or rather a certain race then people already assume also oh, you're from this location because I mean right now I'm in Germany the next day I could be in America and then after some years, I could decide to finally settle in Australia and then become a resident there. So when you ask me, where do you originally come from? And yet I am a citizen of the country I am in right now. It's kind of like, uh, okay, what you're asking me and what, why is it any of your business? So, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So you're kind of assuming just because someone looks a bit different, uh, maybe like, like you said, in the US or Germany, so that they would not be from the country like there are black germans and definitely there are african-americans uh, or like not necessarily just like for african people from african descent anyone um exactly. anyone from Asian descent or south asian or, or arab or whatever okay so um i'll go ahead with the fourth example and this one is actually a personal like it, it happened to me uh, and maybe you can help me spot where did i go wrong so <clears throat> I was in, um, in a debate in class. Uh, it was a law class, so it was a free elective. It's not what I studied or anything. So I was in a debate in this class and they were discussing human rights in Islam. So, um, I, um, so I asked one of the debaters out loud, um, so what do you believe in or what is your religion? Can you spot it? Yeah, what's your religion? So you assume that they have one. True, true. And um, also people like might not want to share their beliefs out loud. Maybe it's not everyone is just so comfortable doing that. True. And also, yeah, yeah what you said is like, you have a very valid point. Maybe they don't have one. Actually, then I have a question. So is not having a religion your belief or is it your religion? Not Yeah. If you don't have a religion, do we say you don't have a religion or your religion is not having a religion? Does that make sense? That was almost a tongue twister. I don't know. Yeah. If you don't have a religion, just say, 
I'm an atheist or something, right? No, but my question is, is not having a religion a religion? Uh -huh, uh -huh. Yeah. Okay, yeah, then you, you might put it this way. Yes, yeah. yeah. Okay, the, yeah, we can move on. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, religion is just like what you believe in, right? Exactly. So not having one or if you believe that there is not not such a thing as a religion or god or whatever this is your at the end of the day your belief yeah that that's your belief at the end of the day yeah yeah makes sense yeah okay so um maybe with this fifth example you might like you maybe would try to like finally get a taste of how political correctness is something that like it's not like very concrete and you cannot always easily spot it. And, and um, people might call something politically incorrect when it's when, when others should just like find it completely harmless. You know what, I'm just gonna go and say this example. So remember this girl, you, you might've already heard of, uh, about her. She, uh, people were talking about her on social media, I think two years ago or something. And um, she posted a, a picture of herself in, in prom during her prom right after her high school. Um, and she was uh, dressed in a traditional Chinese dress. And then um, another girl commented, my culture is not your prom dress. Do you remember this? No, I didn't come across this one. Okay, but anyway, do, do you even, could you even spot any politically incorrect statement in this? It's very, very tricky because if we come back to an earlier question which you asked me, um, this is random and this is probably not the case, but what if this girl, if her race was not necessarily Asian, but she was raised and she grew up in China and she identifies as Chinese, even though she doesn't look Chinese. So it could be a possibility, which is a reason why she wore that dress. That's my first uh, response. My second response is, okay, say she has no connections whatsoever to China. Um, I would then, I, I don't know if I should say understand, but um, I would relate rather to the Chinese girl who commented that my culture is not your prom dress in the sense that sometimes it's easy for people to choose certain parts of other people's culture to recognize with or to identify with and then they selectively dislike or discredit other parts of the culture which becomes in a way hypocritical and this is me trying to relate to this girl who made this comment. If I were to see somebody else wearing something from my culture, I think I would choose, I would also perhaps think in these same lines that, okay, so if you're going to choose my culture, why don't you choose everything that comes with the package? No, but, but for you, like um, you, you're an African woman, you're from Zimbabwe, and um, your traditional dress might be something a bit more colorful um like actually the dress that you wear to your own graduation so yeah. if another girl who's completely not african um where decides to wear a very similar dress to what you wear and like for the audience mona was just wearing um traditional i guess uh or some kind of a dress that you would 
that I think is traditionally being worn in Zimbabwe or in Africa was just basically the fact by it being a bit more colorful than other dresses. So if, I, if, other, if another girl just decides to wear a similar dress to yours, would you be offended by that? Like I said, it's difficult. It's tricky. Um, personally, I don't think I would be offended. But um, I can make reference to something that happens, which is pretty similar to this. There are a number of people who aren't um, Africans or who aren't Black who also wear typical African hairstyles. And they've been called out for that because this is what I was pointing out, that sometimes they choose certain parts of the culture that they want to identify with. And then the rest of the culture, they call it out and say, oh yeah, that's not good, or that's not um, Western, or that's not modern, don't do this, don't do that. And yet they want to wear the hairstyle because it's cool. So that's why I'm saying, it's a complex answer which I can't give right now. But, but kind of prove the point that this, especially for this example, it's not very concrete, you know? Um, yeah, it's not concrete. That's a bit tricky sometimes. So um, some people, like I'm certain, some people are certainly taking cheap shots at political correctness, but like defining it in a very pretty weird way. Like, is it politically correct to say Black Lives Matter? Uh, does that mean that other lives don't matter? Or maybe, you know what, let's do it the opposite way. Is it politically correct to say all lives matter? And um, I actually like saw this uh, short video on Facebook, which I loved because it started just like including um, a very nicely put metaphor about the BLM movement. Um, and like basically it's kind of a, a reply to those, um, to the all lives matter movement. So imagine this scene. Okay, so there is noise in the background and a man is hurrying out of his house to see what's going on outside, okay? He finds out one of, her, um, one of his neighbor's houses is on fire. So he rushes to see if he could help. On his way, a woman from next door, from like, so she's his neighbor, she, um, she comes out of her house and asks him, what, why is he rushing? And he said their, their neighbor's house is on fire and that they should go and help out and maybe fix it. And then the neighbor who just came out says, well, what about my house? Why don't you care also about my house? Don't all, all houses matter? And I feel like this thing just simply shows you the rhetoric of the All Lives Matter movement that it's deeply yeah. thought, right? I agree. I also liked um, a video that I saw of Jeff Bezos, and it was him describing an email that he received from a very angry, client that was angry that Amazon was supporting BLM and his response was see the way he sees it is very simple that he has a son I think he's 20 years old and would he ever in his life be worried that his son has been pulled over by the police and they're checking something on his car and he said no never ever would it ever be a concern to him because it's just not a reason to be worried. And yet for someone of African descent or a black person, it's a completely different story. And so that was also nice to hear him explain why in his opinion, black lives matter doesn't mean that all lives don't matter. It just means that you're taking a stand with people 
who are particularly disadvantaged. So I found that quite intriguing. So exactly, this actually um, reminds me of like a quote that I noted down from one of the times I was watching a TED talk that was given by um, Dylan Maroon. And he says, um, 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 be, ha having fe or feeling empathy, so empathizing with someone you profoundly disagree with does not suddenly compromise your deeply held beliefs and endorse theirs. This just means that I'm acknowledging the humanity of someone who was raised to think very differently from me. So I think political correctness have just gone too far. Some might like even question if saying good morning would be in place, right? Because if I, if I tell you, hey, good morning, and then you're kind of like a very hypersensitive, like we said, it's one of the definitions of political correctness, um, you, and you're hypersensitive, so you would say, okay, how, what would make you assume that it's a good morning? Maybe it's a bad morning. Maybe someone maybe had like something bad happening in the family and stuff, you know? So, but I still believe like many people, so or like, like Trump basically, are kind of starting a war on political correctness, saying that it denies, uh, denies them freedom of speech or like kind of like sucking out the fun of, a, of an otherwise fun night, you know? So to those people, I just like wanna end this by saying that freedom of speech says you should not be silenced, but freedom of speech does not say that you should not be criticized. So if you wanna if you wanna go ahead and say kind of politically incorrect stuff, just like go ahead and say it, be very blunt as, as much as you want, but do not expect to not be criticized because this is our you know, speech as well. Okay, right. So that was it for political correctness. I hope it added something to you guys. Um, so now, Mono, I'm really excited to hear about your topic. So what do you want to say about current times? So every person has a master biological clock ticking away inside of their brain and in dozens of other places um, within your body. But now, unlike a normal clock, not every person's biological clock keeps the same time or even at the same pace. So sometimes we hear people say, I'm not a morning person. Well, there's a reason for that. Some people are meant to be more productive in the morning than at night and vice versa. Believe it or not, your body has been programmed to function much better at certain times of the day than others. Based on general morningness and eveningness preferences, different people fall into different classifications. And this is what I'm calling chronotypes. Okay, maybe a point of correction. I'm not the one who's calling it chronotypes. It's actually a scientific term. Okay. Now, each chronotype will reveal exactly what you need to do to work with your body and not against it. And this is exactly what my topic is going to be today. To firstly give you guys the types of chronotypes that are out there, and then perhaps give suggestions of how you can work with your body. So um, Michael Bruce, who is quite a thought leader in this um, industry, for lack of a better word, um, says that there's a perfect time of the day to do everything according to your chronotype. And what this means is that 
you know, according to your individual preferences for sleep, as well as every other thing in your life can be your health, can be your performance. Um, there's a certain time of the day that you can do whatever you want to do and optimize how good the results turn out. Now, knowing your circadian biotype gives you a guide to the best times to do just about everything from when to go out, when to wake up, when to work out, how to, you know, ask for a raise for your job. It really, if when you think about it, governs everything. And it's quite unfortunate that sometimes we are governed by the normal working time simply because, you know, the sun is up and the sun is out. But if there was a way to just do things according to your natural body clock, I feel like we could be better at people. Now, um, if you look at historic medical literature, there are basically three chronotypes, which are hummingbirds, and then there's the early birds, and then there's the night owls, or rather to put them in correct order, there's the early birds, and then the hummingbirds, which not so many people know, including myself, before I read the book, and then lastly, the night owls. So the early birds in this book by Microbruce were replaced by lions. And these are the typical type A personalities. They wake up by 4.30 or four o'clock, you know, they're writing emails before everybody else is at work, making everybody else feel so bad. You know, you get to work and they've done five tasks already and you are still feeling cranky. And now in as much as lions sound so fantastic and so amazing, there's a problem with being a lion which is, of course, if you wake up at 4.30, by 8 o'clock, you're done. You're totally tired, and it's time for you to sleep. And so lions can basically never make it socially because, you know, when you ask them, oh, do you want to come for a movie? Or do you want to go out for dinner? It's always that friend who's like, ah, oh, yeah, no, I'm too tired. And we're all like, ah, oh, what kind of a person is this? But that's pretty interesting because that's 15% of the population. Wow. Wow. I guess like we all have that kind of a friend that always like sleeps by 11 p.m. I mean, I've at least like met a few of those in uni and I was like always surprised. Like, how do you always make sure that you sleep every day by 11 p.m.? Even if you like have big tasks coming up um, the day after, even an exam or something. So, yeah. 15% of the population, this is huge. You think 11 p.m. is 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 early? Yes. What time do you sleep? <laughs> it's pretty early. I mean, it's pretty early to at least like think of it, you know, if you're very consistent that every day you sleep by 11, I think that's pretty uh -huh. early. Um, but I try to sleep before midnight. Okay, so you're one of those people. No, but I don't wake up early naturally. <laughs> so... Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay, so after the lions, we've got the bears, and these represent the people in the middle. And being the bear is the best, and I think I'm part of this group. And that's roughly 55% of the population. And oh, by the way, so these animals also have the same chronotypes. Lions are actually very early animals. They wake up, and their first kill is usually before dawn. Now, bears get up with the sun and they fall asleep when the moon comes out. And um, so they're more like the regular people of the world. 
And generally speaking, I think bears are extroverts because they have a tendency to be very social people. Oh, now I'm referring to the people. <laughs> <laughs> so these are the folks that get work done. You know, they're fantastic to hang out with and they invite you to their homes after dinner or that they're drinking, they're buying drinks at the bar or having fun. They're great people to hang out with. I mean, I know because I'm one. <laughs> <laughs> But seriously, bears are really great. Yeah, they seem mm -hmm. And then we've got the wolves. And wolves represent the night owls. And these are roughly 15% of the population. And they have very interesting characteristics. These are the artists, the actors, the authors, the musicians. They're creative people but oddly enough in a very introverted kind of way because most of the creative work they do, it's alone. And these are the people who work during the odd times of the night. You know, we have no idea what these people are doing. And um, they're usually very loyal friends and intelligent people, but at the same time, everything is shifted later in the day. You know, they're like, oh yeah, I'll do that later. Do you want to do this? Uh, how about later? Do you want to do that? Or uh, how about in three hours time? So the procrastinator. Not necessarily, but because they're active in the night, they prefer to work in the night. Uh -huh. So they're not procrastinators, but you know, that's when they start getting the punch to, to start working, which is like uh -huh. a little bit later in the night when everybody else is like, oh, I'm going to call it a night. That's when most people are painting away or recording songs. And which is actually true because I've never heard about artists who are like, oh, I spend the whole day. It's usually I spend the whole night in the studio. But are these people like, do they also like wake up um, with their natural biological clock? Um, or like, do they wake up early or do they actually wake up late? Or do they like take um, afternoon naps or there's no rule? Well, I, I would answer and say that if they were allowed to have their way, they would wake up also late in the day. Uh -huh. But then unfortunately, you know, especially if you're a working class, you have to get up in the morning and go to work. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So the final category is the dolphins. And believe it or not, dolphins sleep with half their brain asleep and half their brain awake. So they can be sleeping, but looking for predators. That's so weird, right? Wait, yeah. Okay, so this the kind of people are like, they are sleeping with one eye closed and one eye open. Yes. So to speak. Wow. Yes. And they're a little bit like lions. Um, I mean the animals. <laughs> but they have so much anxiety that they really have a difficult time out there. Okay, now let's come back to the humans. <laughs> So usually these people who have this um, chronotype diagnose themselves as insomniacs, like people yes. with insomnia. Yes. Yeah. And okay, so now we know the four chronotypes out there. You're probably thinking, oh my gosh, this is amazing. But why is it important to know what my chronotype is? Now, here's where it gets fascinating. It turns out that our hormones actually work on a very predictable schedule, but our schedules are based on our chronotypes. So, for example, 
somebody with a lion chronotype will have a very different hormone schedule than someone with a wolf chronotype. So let's talk about something practical, eating, right? Um, it turns out when you want to digest food, um, imagine that you've got the Grand Central Station in New York where trains are coming in from all direction. And when everything is working well, trains go in and trains go out, right? And right. let's imagine that to be the digestive tract of a person that you've got food coming in and food, well, not food going out, but waste going out. Yeah. But if you're not eating at the right time, it means your digestive system isn't ready. And what happens? You pile up pounds but your digestive system is timed according to your chronotype. So if you're a dolphin, for example, meaning you think you're insomniac, but you actually aren't, but you know, you think that way because um, your body is awake when everybody else's body is asleep. And so say you eat at six o'clock, but then your digestive system is not ready for that naturally you're going to pile up weight because you know your enzymes and everything else involved in the digestive system was not ready for that process. Awesome. But um, is it like something that that like is it something that is set or is something that we actually set? Like is it something that you're born with or is it something that your body kind of like gets used to 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 when you wake up and when you sleep and then it forms its own biological clock or is it something that you're like kind of like genetically born with and this is that you are that kind of person regardless of whatever that you do that's a very good question and i'm not an expert at this so this is just my own guess but i think that people are born with a certain chronotype but i think it's something you could probably help your body change but i'm not too sure on that one don't quote me <laughs> But yeah, I, I think you can change your chronotype, but I think you're definitely born into a certain chronotype. Uh -huh. I hope that answers your question. Yeah, that's really interesting. So like people who, but also people who like shared the same chronotype, um, they also share similar activity patterns, right? From what you said, like, so like um, timing of sleep and appetite and exercise, study, right? Exactly. Uh -huh. Now, there's something that's quite interesting. A lot of people um, are big fans of coffee, right? Or rather caffeine, because they use it to, to wake up. Why? Have you ever thought about that? Um, maybe the 24 hours in the day are not enough for them. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's also true. But I think because their schedules are out of sync with their chronotype. Wow, so, this is really interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so to pull you out of unconsciousness in the morning, you need two hormones. You need cortisol. Do you want to guess what the other one is? Oh, yeah, adrenaline. Oh, great. So you were paying attention during your biological lessons. <laughs> <laughs> so these two hormones combined have a more greater effect than caffeine but okay. why is it that people don't feel it because obviously they're out of sync with their bodies 
And that's why when they wake up, they don't feel those hormones, but they need caffeine to wake them up. Does that make sense? But does that also mean that these two hormones get kind of released at a different time in the day? Or Exactly, they... exactly. So remember when I say that your hormones work according to your chronotype, it means that these two hormones will be released later on in the day, which is why then you hear people saying, oh, I'm, a, I'm an evening person, because suddenly these hormones kick in and then they feel really exactly, boosted. Yeah. This is like when the energy actually kicks in, right? Yes, exactly. Okay. okay. Cool. So um, let's talk about one more other chronotype um, using an example. Let's talk about lions who might be convinced that, you know, running at 5.30 in the morning is a good idea because they feel awake. Now, the big problem here is that they might get injured because their body isn't warmed up yet. But for bears, let's say they do their cardio at 7.30 in the morning or around 12.30. There's a hint, though, that, you know, um, if you don't obviously exercise before 12 in the morning, you're probably not going to do it. So for bears, if they run at 7.30 a.m., it's going to be more fat burning because, you know, they are running on an empty stomach and they haven't eaten. And if they wait until maybe 12.30, they actually get a better performance because they are working with their body because that's like the optimum time when they are most awake. Uh -huh. And when you look at wolves, they don't really like to do anything at all in the morning and running in the evenings actually tends to be really good for wolves because around 6 p.m., when everybody else is starting to slow down, they're starting to get more energy. And so if wolves would run around 6 p.m. on an empty stomach, that means that they even get a better boost, just like if bears run around 12.30 on an empty stomach. So, um, yeah, that was it with my topic that, you know, if people would know what their chronotype is, it could possibly lead them to a more productive and happier life. Um, I have a question. Um, sure. So, okay, so you said like different people get different kinds of chronotypes and you kept like mentioning this thing that you, did you ever hear an artist say, I spend the whole morning doing this thing, but you'd rather hear them say, I spend the whole evening or spend the whole night working on something, right? Right. Um, so does it actually have to do with your profession? Could your profession kind of like influence uh, your chronotype? Like, could you say that people who are working in art are more of uh, wolves and people who are working in science are more of uh, lions or doesn't have to do with what you do in life? I think it would obviously influence what you want to do in life subconsciously without your knowing because for example, if you're a wolf and you're a creative person and you had the choice between choosing to be a doctor that requires you to be awake at 6 a.m. and being an actor where you do castings in the evenings. So rewinding back to when you have to make that career choice, you would obviously have preference towards the job that gives you that flexibility to work later in the day. But this would also be on a subconscious level unless you have actually you know done the research and um try to find out what your chronotype is and try to work your career um around your chronotype or the other way around i think this is pretty interesting to be honest because it's um it's it's interesting to see like this is some kind of a defining characteristic of 
of you as a person and uh, how much it could actually influence your activities toward, um, around the day. And it's more of like, um, you know, the chicken and egg situation, like, uh, or chicken and egg question, what comes before what? Like, um, do you, are you like, do you have this kind of chronotype? And then based on which you try and um, change your activities and change how you want to spend your day? Or is it the opposite that you, since now you're in this kind of setup and this is what you do, you go to work, you work as an accountant, for example, I don't know, you're just like living a very routine life. And then based on that, your chronotype gets kind of influenced by that and hence gets defined. I mean, we probably would not know the answer for that, but that's what I find pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, you actually put it in a very, very um, succinct way that ultimately, if you know your chronotype, you can work with it and then it would just boost everything in your life, hopefully. Um, I had like a question, like um, I actually noted it down when, um, when you actually started talking about this whole thing. Um, could chronotype be something like it's, um, it's, it defines what is your best time, what is your most energetic time uh, throughout the day, or could it be throughout your lifetime? I mean, um, now I understand your chronotype would probably tell you when you're most energetic to work on a project, but could it also tell you, I know this might sound pretty naive, but <laughs> hear me out. Like, could it also tell you like, what is the best time for you throughout your life to get married, for example? That's a very, very great answer, question, sorry, that I have no answer to. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me try to, to bootstrap this. So um, I think I would say yes, but please, like I said before, I'm not expert at this. I've never done any clinical research to prove this. This is just us discussing in a very um, casual manner. So um, let's take example with the hormones, right? So if you could figure out when your chronotype since your chronotype works together with your hormones, I think a woman could also try to figure out when she's most fertile, for example, or, um, yeah, and based on that, you could figure out when you have more friendly hormones and then you can think about getting married then. And okay, okay, yeah. So you're actually now linking the biological clock of the day to the biological clock of the lifetime right and exactly yeah it, i think it kind of makes sense. and it, i think it would be super cool and but i feel like it would be hard for you to know those things beforehand because for example i've only started knowing about chronotypes like two weeks ago and what if my ideal time for getting married was two months <laughs> ago or one year <laughs> and i'm like oh Did shit you your train? Train. <laughs> um but um no sorry go ahead oh I, I was just going to add and say that i'll be so heartbroken and be like oh man i've missed my trade <laughs> i'm never gonna get married <laughs> that's what you get when you do a lot of research i guess exactly okay yeah. you were saying no i just wanted to say um before we like forget could you maybe tell our listeners what is the name of the book uh, that you read and which actually like made you actually want to talk about this topic today? So um, the book is called The Power of When and 
it's a good read and I recommend listeners to listen to it. By Michael Bruce, read. right? Yes. No, okay. Cool. And this is not sponsored in any way, so <laughs> <laughs> I do not benefit from your reading the book, but I think it's worth your time. Yeah. Or maybe yeah. Michael Bruce would hear us and then he'd sponsor you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be cool. <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah. So, so. <laughs> thank you guys um, if you've listened this far, and um, feel free if you want us um, if you want to like send us um, your suggestions about further topics if you want us to do some a little bit of research on it and then like talk about it. Um, feel uh, really free to do that. So this uh so far we have already uh published the first two episodes we are um so depending on where you're hearing us right now i'm just gonna say it's like we are available on apple podcasts and we're also available we're also on spotify and also on podbean um and the three of which are available like on their own websites and also except for apple podcasts yeah so um they're all like you can have um, apps or just like download their apps or just check the websites, I think, except for um, Apple Podcasts. And um, yeah, um, thank you. And we wish you have a pleasant evening or what, depending on whatever that you hear, whenever that you're hearing us. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye, -bye. <laughs>